Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! We are exactly 28 days from the NFL Draft. Welcome into another episode of Chargers Weekly. As always, joined by Matt Money-Smith. And Money, we, we got a friend of the show right off the top, the lead draft analyst, pro football focus, Mike Renner. And you mentioned this last week. We were just talking about it off air. You've done a few of these uh, these mock draft simulators. How many? hundred? A lot. A lot. <laughs> it's fun. You know, I cannot recommend it enough, people. Go to pff.com. One, download Mike's draft guide. It's awesome. It's uh, it's time-consuming. You'll find yourself lost. You look up and you spend an hour and a half reading what Mike's probably put, what, eight months into, ten months into, Mike? It's uh, no doubt labor of love, I would assume. It has to be for the amount of time you put into it. But the mock draft, let's just start there. Mike, this thing's incredible uh, for people that, that kind of can't. Maybe I'll actually fire one off on Turbo, and you can uh, walk me through. Uh, because I would assume it's your rankings that are, that are at play when it comes to the mock draft simulator. So you, you see my rankings there on the mock draft simulator, but like the actual draft um, order is, is somewhat random in the way the players come off the board. There's a randomness, but we base it off of a lot of public-facing boards, whether it's like Daniel Jeremiah whether Dame Brugler, like a lot of the draft analysts, kind of get a conglomerate consensus opinion, and that's kind of where the guys end up coming off the board. So let's uh, – here we go. Ready? We're going to uh, we're gonna fire one fire off here. And I'm going to take the Chargers at 21. I'm going to enter the draft. I got it on turbo, and you're going to tell me what you think the best option is and start draft. Here we go. 21. We got Intrigued Dalton Kincaid, here. whom we've talked about a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. Tight end, Gerald Everett coming back. No Dalton Schultz. Uh, we got Nolan Smith. We need some edge rush. Depth, uh, Zay Flowers needs some explosiveness there at the wide receiver. And let's see. Okay, so we got two tight ends, Michael Mayer there as well. So if I throw uh, those four names, oh, and the cornerback, Deontay Banks, um, you know, all needs for the Chargers. So if that's what Tom Telesco is staring at, and I give you this option as well, Mike, you can trade down. Someone wants to jump into that spot and uh, we'll give you uh, a two, a three, and let's just say a future three as well. So how about that? I, I like the idea of trading down if all those guys are on the board right there. I think they're in a good spot to trade down because I think there's kind of like a couple tiers in this draft class, and, and I don't think they're going to get into that first tier of position players. Um, and so they're going to have a lot of options on the board available. And so like all those guys you mentioned, I think they'd be happy with any of them. So I think this is a roster that needs to sort of plan long-term thinking-wise because Justin Herbert's extension's coming up, right? There's going to be a lot of money going his way. And when that's the case, you need cheap talent. You can't just get that one piece that's the difference between you and a championship. You know, you're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. There is no one piece that's going to be the difference between you and a championship. You need to be there every single year if you're the Los Angeles Chargers. And so to do that, it takes more rookie talent, keep breeding that young talent. So that would be the route I'd explore. If I had to pick any of those guys, though, I think the one I keep coming back to for the Chargers, if he's there, is Dalton Kincaid, the tight end. And I don't usually go to bat for tight ends that high in the draft, which should tell you like how good a prospect Kincaid is. But it's just the reliability aspect of him. I think he pairs very well with Justin Herbert's game because Herbert is a guy who – is a flamethrower, and he's going to throw with anticipation to you. You better be ready to catch it. Uh, some of these other, you know, smaller slot wide receivers, I, I don't think pair well with Justin Herbert. And kind of like, if you have a smaller catch radius, I just don't think he's going to target you very much. And that is not the case with Dalton Kincaid. Massive catch radius, some of the best ball skills I've ever seen from a tight end prospect. 
So pairing him in that offense, I, I just think he would go off. I, I think it would be a perfect fit and kind of just something they're missing. Mike, we've talked so much about the tight end position uh, the last few weeks specifically, and, and Muddy's been on the Kincaid train since I don't know when, since you were you're covering Utah games, right? Back yeah, I back the Utah uh, USC game and watched him absolutely destroy a defense single handedly. What what would he mean to a Chargers offense with with Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen? Obviously, this Austin Eckler situation is still in flux, but obviously Gerald Everett is there kind of the short term, but but to get you a Travis Kelsey-like player and pair him with Justin Herbert in the West, that sounds like a pretty good formula. I think it is, and I think the one thing they're – they're missing a couple things in there, Stephen Core, at the moment, in my opinion. One, they're missing pure dynamism, like a guy who can really stretch the football field. But to me, you can find that in the second and third round this receiving class. I, I don't think this class is short on those type of wide receivers that really have some juice to bring to the table. But I also think what they need is a guy who can win one-on-one consistently when you see man coverage. And the beauty of a Dalton Kincaid is that he's not getting covered by corners the way Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are. He's getting covered yeah. by safeties. He's getting covered by linebackers when you see man coverage. And all of a sudden, that's you know mismatch. That's green, green light going right to him. So uh, I think that would be you know a thing that they're missing that, again, would really kind of have a – you know, wave-like effect in that it would impact everyone else and make everyone else's life easier in that receiving court. Mike, a lot of, you know, you mentioned Daniel. DJ's got uh, Zay Flowers mocked to the Chargers right now at 21. Dalton's off the board. I think he has him going to the Patriots, if I remember right, in this re- most recent mock. But let's just, to get into Zay, um, you know, I, I'm sure you know, like everybody, it seems as though this is now the receiver that maybe started down in the five, six slot, Chris Sims got him as number one. You know, the athletic guys are freaking out over him. DJ's got him going to the Chargers. Kind of walk us through Zay Jones and, and kind of why he feels like he's getting this push. And a lot of people think he might be the best receiver in this draft. He's got that kind of know it when you see it type of athleticism that is just if he wants to go in a straight line, it's fast. If he wants to turn left, it's fast. If he wants to stop, it's fast. Like everything he kind of does – almost reminiscent of like a poor man's Jalen Waddle and that it's just, he's sudden. He is a very quick dude, and that's what's winning in the NFL. That's the way of the world uh, at the wide receiver position today is you need guys who create space on their own, uh, and Zay Flowers is one of them. And, and so, again, if you're thinking kind of what I just said, what the charge receiving core is missing, it is missing that high-end caliber of athlete that if he's running you know deep out of safety, has to be accounted for. That, that's really going to, you know, again, make corners and safeties play more often, open up windows than underneath for your underneath guys like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. So uh, I think that's why you're seeing that connection being made a ton. Mike, what about Quentin Johnson for TCU? I, 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 you've tweeted about him. I think there's varying opinions about him and his style of play. And um, how would that look in a Chargers offense, especially when we don't really know the future of Mike and Keenan beyond 2023 yeah so that's the thing is I, i'm not sure the role he fits in there and maybe you know if again you're forward thinking you're thinking post life with keenan allen he can obviously take over that role but he he is an outside type of wide receiver that's the body type he has that's the play that's where he played pretty much exclusively at tcu uh, and i think that's where he shines is like the vertical tree to me like the role ideal role for him is a lot like the ideal role for dk metcalf that dk metcalf's playing in seattle at the next level, which is he's your left, you know, he's one side of the formation wide receiver. 
He's the guy that, you know, if you have a smaller corner over there on him, you're a little worried because he is so big because he does have such a big catch radius because he can get down the football field. Um, but he is a project. I, I do think he's not nearly the refined route runner as is a flowers, Jackson Smith and jig, but Jordan Addison, the other three wide receivers getting pretty firm first round hype at the moment. But in terms of pure physical talent, like this guy is unique. He's right up in the realms of, uh, you know, the Jamar chases, the Julio Joneses of just like wow. athletes that you don't see every single year at the position. So uh, I think he's well worth taking a chance on, but you do have to just realize that he is much more of a boomer bust prospect than probably these other guys. All right, we're in round two, mock draft simulator. Pick number four, <laughs> Trey didn't come through. Uh, we've taken Dalton Kincaid, uh, per your go. suggestion, in the first round. Second round now, uh, Nathaniel Dell is there if we want a wide receiver. Um, you got edge rusher uh, Tuli Tupolotu out of, uh, out of USC sitting there. Corner Garrett Williams, I know a lot of people starting to kind of push, push him up, him up a little bit. Um, Carl Brooks. The edge out of Bowling Green is is sitting there. Just kind of your thoughts. Let's see if there's any other wide receivers because we just want to load up on offense. Michael Wilson, I know a lot of people starting to get high on Michael Wilson. Um, so maybe let's focus on a couple of those wide receivers. Uh, Rasheed Rice out of SMU, um, just kind of a, a few of those. Or if you like the edge until we pull to like kind of just your thoughts of, of what's available here in the second. Yeah, Tank Dell would be a guy who would bring, you know, he's almost like a poor man's A Flowers in this draft class and that he's just a little bit lighter little bit shorter, although he does have a bigger wingspan, I believe, than Zay Flowers, which to me is more important at wide receiver. It's your ability to, you know, make plays outside your frame that matters, not your ability to get, you know, 10, 11 feet in the air necessarily. That is the bigger aspect of playing wide receiver. So he, he's a guy that if, again, if you're not getting one of the wide receivers, you're not getting that dynamism on day one at the wide receiver position, it would be guys like Tank Dell, guys like Keishon Boutte from LSU, guys like uh, Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, all names that, you know, bring some athleticism. Even Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, bring, you know, low four fours, take the top off a of defense sort of thing. You just need that threat. You don't necessarily right. need them to come in and catch 100 balls. You just need that to be able to deploy in certain ways in your offense. I love the way we're doing this interview. As money does the mocks, I'm going to ask you just about some of these storylines that may affect the Chargers. And I think the biggest name uh, that could be really a wild card in the first round is Hendon Hooker. Like, if five quarterbacks go before the Chargers at 21, maybe a blue chipper at a certain position group falls in their lap. How do you view this quarterback class? Obviously, the Chargers have their quarterback, but there's a lot of intrigue with those first four. And now you're hearing about Hooker and, you know, obviously that, that injury last year kind of, takes him out of people's minds a little bit, but, but he was excellent at Tennessee. He was, and it's a good quarterback class. I like the top four. I think last year, you know, just comparing those four to last year's class, all four would have gone as QB one. I think all four would have been top 10 picks last year. And the only reason one of those top four might fall this year is just because there's too many, right? You know, we saw it even in 2021 when there was, uh, you know, Justin Fields fell out of the top 10. Mac Jones falls out of the top 10 just because there, there's right. not enough landing spots for these guys. So we could see that. And that's that's also why I don't necessarily buy the hooker into the first round hype is because of landing spots. Is because of how many people are going to say my one first round pick that I have. And now there are like a bunch of teams in this year's draft that have multiple uh, more so than usual. But with my one first round pick, I'm going to use it on a guy who's going to have to redshirt year one, who's coming off a torn because he's coming off torn ACL playing from an offense in Tennessee that was 
you know, gimmicky. Beyond, right. I'll say, yeah, like it, not NFL. I'll just say not NFL concepts. And then he's 25 years old, you know, so just not a strong profile that you don't need to take that chance round one. You could fall in love with this tape, but I just don't think anyone's going to see that and say, yeah, that'll be my one first round pick. Yeah, I guess. So what do you think's behind the heat, Mike? Because it does feel like there's like there's little and we kind of know the characteristics that Chris Ballard likes. There's heat connecting him to the Colts at this point. Um, Where like where is that coming from? Well, he is talented. Again, his tape is good. Uh, he has tools. He has a strong arm. Like his arms right up there with, I don't think it's quite Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, but I'd probably put it a little bit better than even like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud in terms of just natural whip he has. He's a great athlete and everyone's searching for those tools, right? That's what you see year in and year out. What's winning or what the path to sort of high end at the NFL looks like is rushing ability paired with a big arm. Uh, that gives you uh, options in today's NFL when you don't have to be just your pocket passers of old that has to hit everything in timing. You can go create on your own. So I think Hendon Hooker brings some of that to the table. They've already seen kind of the high-end production that he put on the football field. So there is a lot to like. But again, with with those knocks, it it just comes down to the investment. How much are you willing to make? And I can't see a team willing to invest that much in him. Let me uh, go ahead, ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, Mike, we've had this debate kind of all off season about drafting a running back in the there first round. Same and, question. We're ready. Okay, there you go. Hey. B. John Robinson is that guy that, that we talk about and what he could be in a Chargers office with Justin Herbert. How much more dynamic Justin Herbert can be with, with a bell cow like B. John Robinson back there, even with Austin Eckler in the offense. Just wondering where you fall in terms of drafting a running back in the first round. And let's just say for the sake of this conversation, I don't think he will be, but let's say Robinson is there at at 21. Uh, And the Chargers are looking at that card thinking maybe we turn this in. So I don't think – I'm not completely against the idea of drafting a running back in the first round. It is, uh, in some offenses, a valuable position, and you're getting them at their prime, right? You're getting them at their prime, and you're getting them fairly cheap. Uh, I, I'm definitely against paying top dollar for running backs in free agency once they hit like 27, 28. But there's little reason to think that Bijan Robinson won't be an insanely productive NFL player. The problem is, do I want to take the ball out of Justin Herbert's hand? The answer to that is no. I, I, right. I think Justin Herbert has shown that he can carry a full workload. You know, he can be a 50 to 60 dropbacks a game, and, and you want him to be that. And so then. From that perspective, like you're already diminishing the value if you're only going to give Bijan Robinson 12 carries a game, you know, 12 to 15 carries a game. That's, you're already diminishing that. It's already taking it down a step. Uh, and then I don't think you want to be drafting running backs highly to try to fix your offensive line, to go uh, and assume that a running back is going to be able to succeed behind poor run blocking. If you don't have that aspect in place first, a running back is not going to, especially in today's NFL, it's just not going to uh, provide that return on investment. So I, I'm only for drafting running backs if, one, you don't have necessarily like the guy at quarterback. If you are kind of like where the Falcons are, if you're a run-heavy team as an ethos to begin with and you have yep. maybe an average to slightly above average quarterback, then I'll draft a running back to make him my focal point. If I have the offensive line to take my running game to that level, that's like the unstoppable level. That's fine to do, in my opinion. But if you're any other team, like the difference between him in round one and, say, you know, Tank Bigsby 
from Auburn around three, you're, you're splitting hairs with the value they'd bring to the Chargers. Whereas then that first rounder that, say, a wide receiver like, say, Flowers, going to bring a lot more to the table. All right, well, let's go to round three. Let's see if, uh, if Big Speed's Good there. Segue. We got, Good segue. Uh, we got Isaiah McGuire. We took, we took, uh, we took Dell, by the way. So okay. uh, we got a wide receiver. We got our tight end. Uh, here's some edge options. Isaiah McGuire, KJ Henry, Mike Morris, Carl Brooks all there. Uh, let's see if our guy – yeah, Tank Bigsby's there. Uh, Dwayne McBride is there. Kendra Miller is there. We, uh, we are big proponents on the pod, uh, Mike, of draft an offensive lineman, if not two, maybe even three every single year. Develop. You see how, what a premium that position has turned into in terms of free agency, uh, what you're paying tackles. So we got a couple tackles here. Tyler Steen, Luke Haggard. Connor Galvin are there, uh, a couple interior offensive linemen. If uh, Let's see. Oh, Voorhees is there, so maybe a little red shirt, but you get a little value on, uh, on Voorhees. Uh, Zavala, Oluwatimi. So a couple, uh, couple options there, I guess. If you want to – I'm happy to pull any other position group up. That's the magic of this mock draft simulator. What's the corner class look like? Uh, I see what I mean, I, people. It's a deep, deep – like that position to me is the deepest – of any positions, I guess running back kind of is too, but corner just year on year comparatively, like there are so many names that I watch and I'm like, that's, you know, that guy should be a top hundred pick. That guy should be a top hundred pick. And, so, and so third round then feels like a good spot. If you're the Chargers to take pick 85, uh, you got Syracuse Williams, Hodges Tomlinson, uh, Jalen Jones, A&M, Bennett, Maryland, uh, Kelly Stanford, Martin, Illinois, Clark, Louisville, Moss, Iowa, uh, Makai Blackman, Blackman, USC. There's your top, uh, according to your rankings. There I would love, I would love Quan Martin there, the, okay. the Illinois uh, slot corner slash safety. I think he's a versatile body type that can do either. Has played both. Has played outside corner and safety at Illinois. Very explosive. That's a guy I would love uh, for Brandon Staley in that defense. Just adding some more versatile players to a defense that, you know, needs like covets versus silly, like Derwin James. When you have a guy like that, like you, you want other guys who can backfill uh, for Derwin James to play a bunch of different roles. And, and so I think Quan Martin would be a great fit for them at that point. Just quickly want to point out on the pod, we are proponents of doing nothing but adding offense on defense. <laughs> all we do is undrafted free agents. Good luck. Brandon Staley, Patrick yep. Holmes cannot be stopped. He can only perhaps be outscored. We're not interested in trying to stop him. It's We've seen too many of these games where Justin Herbert scores a touchdown with three minutes left, and they lose the game. So all we want to do is add offensive weapons. That is that, oh, I'm sorry, Coach. Coach Staley. Buddy, that's, that is all we want to do. That's why we have Mike bring us back down to earth a little bit. Just to get, <laughs> get, get a different perspective. Hey, let's just say they don't draft offense in the first round. At 21 – Knowing what the Chargers defense did, they came on strong last year, but there's some older guys. I think the edge position, Mike, when you, when you talk about Joey Bosa and his injury history and obviously Khalil Mack getting a year older, not a lot of depth behind those guys. At the edge position at around 21, who could you envision maybe being there that the Chargers would be like, okay. I, I think someone like Will McDonald from Iowa State would be someone that would be intriguing in that – uh, he can obviously still play a role with those two guys on the football field. He's rushed a lot from the interior over his career at Iowa State. But I, I do think he comes kind of with a project label because he needs to get stronger. Right? He's 240 pounds, six foot five. Like he needs to add some muscle to his frame. 
to continue to adjust the NFL game, but he's a freak athlete, high-end athlete that if he can just learn from two other, you know, elite edge rushers, rub off on him a little bit, uh, I think you could have an impact player down the road. So that, that might be a guy who could be in the mix there uh, if you are looking edge. How good is the, um, I didn't want to butcher his name, how good is Cansey? Uh, from Pittsburgh, is he like obviously the Aaron Donald comparisons are there because he's a pit guy because of his size. But what are, what are we talking about? Because we know Aaron Donald slid. I was going to bring him up before you brought up Edge that I think he would be a great fit. Obviously, Brandon Saley works some wonders with a guy like Aaron Donald's defense. But I, I just think great compliment on third downs too. If you have Joey Bosa and you have Khalil Mack, Kalijah Kansi on the interior would be a scary add to that because he is. The best athlete I've seen at defensive tackle, I mean, he tested out better than Aaron Donald. He ran a faster four than Aaron Donald, had a faster three cone than Aaron Donald. This guy is as nimble as you'll see for 282 pounds, but but he still is 282 pounds. You're not expecting plus run defense. He he is probably not going to be an every down player year one for you, but he knows how to rush the passer. And even at, you know, even at his size, I, I trust him to be able to get after quarterbacks because, man, the athlete is just so, so rare and so impressive that he may not even last to where the Chargers are drafting. Important to point out, by the way, Aaron Donald, not a good run defender. So, yeah. like, for people that, that are like, oh, you can't do it, the Chargers' run defense is too terrible, hey, Aaron Donald wrecks shop, and if you look at his numbers against the run, they're not great. He's more of a – He's a unique run defender in that he, he you have to like get him one on one, and he has to have the ability to make plays like win left or right. He's just not going to sit on a block. You know right. the traditional how you want your front four to all play in run defense as a unison as one unit. You're going to have to bend the rules a little bit for a guy like Aaron Donald and for a guy like Clash Kansi. Mike, uh, it's no secret the Chargers need speed at, at wide receiver. Um, we saw it and how it hurt the team towards the back half of the year, especially with Jalen Guyton out. Now they're going to need a punt returner. DeAndre Carter goes to the Raiders. Are, are there guys maybe in, in mid mid to late rounds that have the speed slash punt return capability that, that could maybe fulfill both roles, get, get you some speed on offense, and also provide some special teams juice? One of, one of the more intriguing returners to me in this draft class is Keaton Mitchell. He's running back, though, from ECU. I, I love his open field vision. He has, I think he had uh, 31 runs of 15-plus yards this year, which was like five more than anyone else in the country. Like, he, he knows how to go find space in the open field and then you know, four three seven speed. So he, he's one of, if you're looking for a returner, a guy I would point to in probably rounds five you know, or later. I'm trying to think of wide receivers in this class, though, with like real deal return ability. Maybe I think Trey Tucker from Cincinnati is an intriguing guy as a returner. Uh, him and Demario Douglas from Liberty are two guys that I don't think you're really putting in the starting lineup. They're both like five eight, both like one eighty. You know, they're not really they're like a role, a gadget type of role player on offense. But I think both uh, can add some value in the return game. I'd love to know. Uh, Mike, because I mean, talk about uh, just a, a true savior of the season, Jamari Sawyer. Uh, Rashawn Slater goes down week three. Uh, you're already kind of, you know, dealing with injuries all over the place on this team. Jamari Sawyer steps in and, you know, was he elite? No, but he provided stability. Uh, sort of what, what led to him falling all the way to the sixth round? You know, won a national championship, played inside, played outside. Just kind of how, 
how did that happen? How did the Chargers end up with a starting left tackle in the sixth? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I think it was injury related. I, I have heard that it was, but at like if it wasn't an injury that kept him out as a rookie, I, I could not fathom why he fell that far in the draft because this wasn't, you know, this wasn't like an under scouted guy who wasn't on radars. You know, he's a multi year starter at Georgia, left tackle, yeah. winning a national championship. I, it didn't make sense then. Still doesn't make sense now. He's a damn good player. Like he was top, I think he was in the top 60 on the PFF draft board. He like his second round grade last year falls all the way to sixth. So obviously the Chargers, the beneficiary, that's a long-term starter. I think you've got both your starting guards in one draft, truthfully, which uh, hats off Tom Telesco. Yeah. Hey, Mike, last one for me, and, and this goes to the other guy, uh, Zion Johnson, who, who was selected by the Chargers at 17 overall. And I, I think, like you said, they found one of their future uh, starters at guard for the next decade plus. What did you see coming out, and and what did you see in his first year, and, and did it match up to the evaluation? Yeah, I, I thought he was going to be a little bit better, but I think you saw him come on uh, maybe after a little early season struggles. But he was a guy who just consistent snap after snap, and and, and just from like a tools traits perspective, is how you would build a guard like his from, from his frame his lower half is massive huge hands long arms just you saw a guy that you felt felt like you just knew it was going to be a darn good guard in the NFL about one of the safest picks that you could make in the NFL draft uh, and so I think that's why you know maybe with other needs on the roster it's like this guy's gonna be good we're just gonna take him maybe it's a little rich in the top 20 for guard but we're just gonna take him and so uh, I, that's how I felt about him um, and I think you're probably going to see that uh, more in year two, year three, just because NFL transition is tough for everybody. But I think with the full NFL offseason, he's going to be a darn good one. So I guess maybe my last one. I may have one more, Mike, and then we'll let you go. Thanks so much for the time. Just the, the their third rounder, JT Woods, you know, so much excitement, led the NCAA in interceptions, a lot of ball production, couldn't get on the field uh, for the chargers all season, but your scouting report on him, what you saw, why maybe it, it played out that way, as opposed to him unseating Nas Adderley for that starting high safety spot. Safety is a position that, you know, you need reps at You're, It's a very visually driven position. You need to see the NFL game first. You know, it, it, there's a rare to see guys like Derwin James who year one at safety are impact players. So it's, it's, difficult from that perspective the transition and especially for him because he's a pure free safety he's not you know a slot he wasn't a box guy he was a range over the top from either single high too high whatever you want he is going to be that guy that can make quarterbacks pay for trying to bite off a little more they could chew on some go balls some vertical routes on the outside so that is his role. That's also kind of what, what Nazir Adderley brought to the table. Like he, he was a very similar player. So this was your transition plan. Obviously now with Adderley retiring, it, it's him. And I think you're going to see him excel in that same role uh, as that pure deep guy. All right, let's do one more here. Let's see what's on the board. Mock draft simulator yeah. and our draft. And we're going to start it. And on the board right now, oh, Kansi's on the board. Uh, Kincaid is on the board as well. So you got both of those guys. My, Mayor, Addison, Zay Flowers. All oh, we're running them. it back. Oh, this I'm is just, yeah, just this kind of giving them one. one. Now, it's, it's played out. You know, it's okay. played out differently. Um, <laughs> so Kansi made it to him. It, it, but so did Dalton Kincaid. So that's your – there you go. What are you doing? That one's tough. Oh, man, that one is tough because they're both unique in their own right. They're both guys that 
are, you know, not every year kind of prospects, I would say, is that you, and usually those guys tend to go high because if you, if rarity right. is a skill set that, again, if you want that, if you want pure speed at the three technique position, you will not find someone with as much as Kalash Kansi. So in those, in that scenario, Man, I, I think I still lean giving Herbert as many weapons as possible. We That's it's guy. an arms race in the NFL. <laughs> no one really get it. You have to compete in the AFC with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. You have to put up over 30 points a game in probably three straight playoff games to win a Super Bowl. That's just a fact of life um, in that conference nowadays. And so how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to foolproof Justin Herbert in this offense. And then let Bram Staley handle his side of the ball, at least with my top draft picks, because that's what he gets paid for. Exactly. And Herbert gets paid for putting those points on the board. You made made it official. Now, this is officially a Dalton Kincaid podcast. This is it. I mean, every week this guy's name comes up, money. (laughs) That's right. Appreciate you, Mike. Mike, you're the best. Hey, before before you go, uh, we got draft heads watching this and listening to this where can they get your stuff and what's the best way to consume it yeah you can go obviously find the pff draft guide on pff.com all my takes are in there the final version releases next monday i believe i'm still working on it i'm gonna get to work on it right after this uh and then you can follow me on twitter at pff underscore mike so a lot of good stuff coming out in the next month you're the best dude we, we always appreciate this, you, this time of month for sure fellas thanks man. All right, guys, as the official hospitality provider for the NFL, On Location offers unrivaled access to experience all premier NFL events like never before. On Location brings you up close for all the action, providing fans with unforgettable moments from draft day to Super Bowl Sunday and everything in between. On Location, thrilled to announce its new partnership with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This August, kickoff football season in Canton, Ohio, and be there live to witness the class of 2023 enshrinement. The NFL is also headed back to London and Germany for the 2023 NFL International Games. On-location official packages will feature game tickets, deluxe hotel accommodations, private tours, pregame hospitality, end-to-end planning, and more. Be sure to secure your priority access today. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. All right, when you got the simulator up. Always good talking to Mike. Were, were you happy with the results, Kincaid? Yeah, things super, uh, like, I can't recommend it enough. Just hit up pff.com. Click on Mock Draft Simulator. You click on the Chargers. Throw that thing on Turbo. And it'll put you through the different scenarios. And if you look, you'll be able to see how the draft lays out. Oh, how many quarterbacks went ahead of them? Sometimes it is five. Sometimes it's four. Sometimes it's three. And Levis falls out. So it, it gives you the idea and it reminds you that Anything can happen. The Derwin James can slip to the Chargers at 17 because the Saints decided to trade up and you thought they were going to take, and the Bills end up taking Edmonds instead of Derwin when you thought they were going to take Derwin. Like there's so many weird things that happen through the course of a draft, but I was happy to hear Mike echo our sentiments from a couple weeks ago. And that is how many first round grades do you have? Justin Herbert's getting a $50 million contract, $50 million a year contract or somewhere. Sorry to spend all your money, Mr. Spanos, but it's going to be somewhere in that range. It's just, you got to add young talent. You've got to just increase your depth by a pretty chunky percentage because of 
that contract now being a reality moving forward. And I do think there's a chance Bucky's latest draft has Levis sliding that Hooker has now kind of taken that spot and Levis has gone on a slide. So the hope is that one of those quarterbacks is there at 21 and in order to jump ahead of the Vikings, as we talked about. Yeah. And that's sort of, and I know it's, it's, so there's, I'm not going to name names, but there's a head coach that had an incredible amount of power in a franchise and would routinely select their first rounder and then just disappear because he didn't have the patience to do the work that you need to do. But he was invested enough to say, this is the guy I want with our first-round pick. Pretty much all those first-round picks were busts, and neither person is with the franchise any longer. I think I, know, I, I think I know who you're referring to. I bring up that point because so many fans are like that. They only know the first round. They only know Kincaid or Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers or Nolan Smith or Kalijah Kansi or Wilson, or, you know, Brees, or Van Ness. And when the Chargers trade out, they're like, we really, we're not going to get an impact. There are starters in the second round. That's where you get your starters, second and third round. So to pick up an extra two, potentially pick up a one next year, maybe pick up a two and a three, uh, two and and I'm, when I, you're obviously going to get at least a two and a three for trading out of the first round, but it could be more than that. Those are starters. You expect those to be starters. So... Asante Samuel, Drew Tranquil, Nas Adderley. Like, that's, you know, Jamari Sawyer's an outlier. Yeah. But Trey you Pitkin. know what we're getting at here. It's Keenan Allen, you know, third rounder. Like, that's what we're talking about. Trey Pipkins, these. So I, I was happy to hear him concur with us that that's, you know, ideal. This is ideal. You're able to trade back and get really good value for number 21. Yeah, and just look at free agency. They're going to need starters coming out of this right. draft, and they're going to need to maybe pick up some picks in that second or third round in order to get those guys. And you know, if you stay there and you get Kincaid, that's great. I also, I, I really liked his thought out uh, philosophy on the running back position, and and I'm I'm with him in terms of hey, don't don't let uh, anybody else but number ten touch the ball. I get that. But I just, you know, that Jacksonville game sticks in my mind. Second half, yeah. not be able to run the football. And gotta I know a guy like B. John Robinson could do it, you know. Um, no so doubt. that's that's kind of where I get a little bit conflicted about, you know, you, you want to make this a complete football team that can win games in January. And and I think having a guy like a, a B. John Robinson or, or a player of his caliber to compliment Austin, hopefully Austin's still here, um, would be a good thing. Uh, Might be a better defense than the defense. No doubt. It's kind of the best way yep. to look at it. It's a great way to put it. If, if we can pick up a couple first downs and sustain a drive for four or five minutes, like they did in the Miami game, that's that may be better than the defense they have. So that's where the whole Bijan part comes in. We're not saying he's got to, you've got to build your offense around Bijan Robinson. What we're saying is when you need to press that button, let's go press that button. Yeah. And And the other thing is, too, it's it's not it's not a centerpiece. Look at it as a complementary piece. Now you start with design runs that are ripping off five and seven and nine yards. And guess what happens to the play action game? And guess what happens to your shot place? They're finally going to be open because they weren't open last year because nobody thought they were running for more than three yards of carry, if even that. And typically, if they did, it was Austin Eckler breaking a tackle in the backfield in order to get those three yards. Yeah, and and there may be a a game where you need your running game yeah. to carry you. 
You know, it's it, the, those games happen in the NFL where you got a game plan a different way for a different opponent. So, uh, but Mike's awesome. Appreciate his time as always. I want to spend a few minutes on just these owners' meetings and your takeaways from that. Yeah. Obviously, I, I think the the non breaking breaking news is that the Chargers and, and Justin Herbert. There was a report that they're uh, they're talking, and uh, I think we expected that. <laughs> right? What what else is new? <laughs> That deal's getting done this offseason. When it's getting done, don't know, but it's getting done. There's, you know, is it before Burrow? Is it before Lamar's trade? Is it after? Is it Jalen Hurts that gets the deal done first? Whatever it is, it's going to be a gigantic number, and it's going to get done, and it's going to have to change the way the roster is constructed. So it's not surprising. I would hope, you know, if that's not news. News is... We've tried to reach out to Justin, but his people aren't talking to us. That's news. And you got a concern. So, <laughs> you know, great, the, great to hear that they are talking. There was a nugget. I think Eric Smith tweeted out that, uh, what, that Zion's going to move the left guard and, uh, and Sawyer was, was going to go to right. So That I was mean, Tom's presser from that was Tom's presser. presser. He mentioned, it could have been Brandon as well. I thought it was from Tom's, though. Yeah, I think it was that from he Tom. mentioned. Remember when Zion came out, he was a left guard. And that's why there was some speculation that Filer was going to get kicked to right tackle, that you were going to put Zion at left guard, and then they were going to try to figure out the right guard position before it became this Pipkins battle with Storm Norton kind of thing. So I thought, you know, Zion played well last year, certainly. But if they feel like, like I'm on the left better, and I think part of that is recreating that dominant side of the line that you can run behind just a road grading because of what a great run blocker Rashawn Rashawn Slater is let's just create sheer dominance on that side of the ball where if we need it we can go get it now I thought Trey and Zion worked well together that was the better side to run to last year than Sawyer so that's that's my guess is let's just even though Trey improved and did pretty darn well as a run blocker, I think that Sawyer's going to excel as a guard because we saw when he did get beat, it was on speed because once he gets his hands on you, he tends to dominate. So he should excel as a guard. But put Zion back at his natural position where he played his entire college career, took every single snap, and let's create a wall, specifically in the run game and on, on Herbert's blind side, I on love that it. left side of the line. Slater, Zion, Lindsley. I yeah. love it. I love it. And, and you know, you, you have Sawyer on the right side. He has that positional flexibility to kick out to right if anything should happen. Um, so I, I think the offensive line from a starter perspective is in good shape. Uh, I, I mentioned this uh, when we talked to Mike. Uh, DeAndre Carter leaving, I think, is a blow. Um, you know, this guy was second in the NFL in, in, in punt return average. And uh, we know what special teams – means to this team now with Ryan Ficken, and they, they've improved so much. Uh, obviously, I, I know that they're going to find a replacement. They probably have a replacement in mind, Money, that, that you and I don't know about. Um, but I I just, you know, you don't want to take a step back, especially at a guy that really helped you kind of flip the field, and now he goes to a rival. I believe it was Tom Telesco said it to us on, or it was either Coach Staley or it was Tom that said it to us one pregame when we brought up how well DeAndre had been playing specifically in his punt return role, and he said he gets us a first down. It's the best way to look at it. 
every single time he catches a punt and returns it, he gets us a first down. His return average was 12 yards. So that's a huge deal. You've already got your first first down as your drive starter because he's picked it up for you. It just goes to show you how, because of all the money that's moved around, the lack of action in free agency, it goes to show you how much the quarterback contract impacts a team. That you can't bring DeAndre Carter back at a million and a half dollar raise from what he was making last year. I'll say this in, you know, for those that are upset that DeAndre Carter is gone, he's been on a new team almost every year. So, as good as he is, if you're dominant, if you're Devin Hester, if you're Tamarick Vanover, if you're, you know, if you're one of those guys, you're not going to leave. So, they feel like we can replace that. We'll, we'll yeah. be able to find someone, like you said, that we can replace that. More often than not, your returners come from the draft. They're secondary players. They're special teamers. You don't want to have starters in the return game because of the propensity for them to get injured. We saw that last year in the playoff game with DeAndre Carter getting injured, and now you got Michael Bandy out there for 50 snaps. Yeah, and, and that was a – Buddy, the plan was, the plan was not to have DeAndre – he was the fifth receiver coming into camp anyway. So, like, the right. plan wasn't really to use him on offense. He had to catch 46 balls, had his best offensive season because of all the injuries. Um, I thought he had a season worthy of sticking around for that second year, but you're, you're right. That's This is the business, and when you have to pay your quarterback a ton of money and uh, – you have to allocate resources to other positions. This is why it's so hard to build a complete team in the NFL these days, especially when you have that that paycheck coming to your quarterback. And returners aren't as impactful as they used to be. More, more and more teams want that ball kicked out of the back of the end zone on kick returns. They're yeah. comfortable with it. Punt return more than kick return. And, and punt returns, you've got so many more punters that are better than we've ever seen. It's almost all fair catches. You've got your big leg guys that just want to kick the hell out of the ball, and they'll they'll hope their gross is somewhere around fifty plus. You know, in that high forty fifty range, the return is somewhere around seven to eight, and you still end up with your forty to forty three net as as elite. So there are a handful of those, and you hope you can spring them. I'm content with allocating resources elsewhere. I'm totally fine with that. Finding something now. We saw it, we've seen it cost the Chargers games. We have seen bad returners cost the chart, literally cost the Chargers games because I'm thinking of the game in New England. And I, I again, keep forgetting his name, but when ball is inside the five, returner fields it, all he has to do is move his right foot outside uh, and step on the sideline and it gets on a kickoff and it ends up at the 40. Instead, he catches it there, gets absolutely blown up at like the eight. And everything which, comes. Which New England game? It was a long time. It was when Rivers was still the quarterback. Was it, it was, was a it while Benjamin? Ago. Was it Travis Benjamin? We had the Travis Benjamin punt return when he yeah, went backwards. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That yeah, was yeah, another yeah. one. So, like, there's a lot of those instances where we've let's talk. You know, two years ago, Oakland or Oakland, Las Vegas, final week. You know, fumble on. So yes, it does matter. You do need someone back there, but you can find them. Anything else from Arizona that, that, that stood out league-wide or, or Chargers-related? Obviously, there's a lot going on with the Commanders and Lamar Well, Jackson I think the Eckler and... stuff is furthered a little bit. Yeah. Both sides are saying the same thing, which is we res- Tom said we respect the heck out of Austin. We owed it to him to be able to go out there and see if he could find anything to better his individual situation, and we would accommodate that. 
You've got Austin. We talked about already the things he said, that he's going to pursue aggressively a deal that he feels compensates him more fairly. Not going to find it. Mike Renner said it. I am completely against giving free agent, big money free agent deals to running backs. So it looks like those two are, are headed to stick together. Eckler appears to be on the Chargers this upcoming season, that they'll figure something out and that they'll work it out. So outside of that, it feels like those were the big, those were the big questions. What's going on with Eckler moving Zion to the left side and the fact that they're talking to Herbert and that's why all these moves look the way they look and the Chargers are getting the free agent grades that they're getting for not doing a whole lot. Yeah, which makes what you said last week uh, even more enticing to trade out of 21 and get yeah. more picks and find more starters. 100%. You know? Is that something? 100%. You're going to have to do it. And they've got to both, both sides of the lines. Look at Philadelphia. They load up on O-linemen. They load up on D-linemen. And that's how they win. And, and that's how they made it into the postseason two years ago with Jalen Hurts, who wasn't playing great at quarterback. Three years ago or four years ago, whatever it was, when they had no wide receivers and a banged-up quarterback. They still made it because they were so dominant on the lines. To me, the Chargers really need to invest resources at those two position groups. Continue to build the offensive line. If you swing and miss, you swing and miss. If it's Dan Feeney, hopefully Brain Hymas comes around this year. Trey Pipkins took three years, but they got it. Yeah. So you just have to keep investing. Forrest Lamp, keep investing. Keep yeah. investing in that position group. Keep investing in defensive linemen. Hopefully Tito Abonia comes back sooner than later because he looked great when he started getting more and more reps and, and got into the rotation. So to me, those are that, – that, that's the – that to me is the biggest push for trading out is let's – got to start building depth along, those, along the lines if you're going to be able to compete because guys get hurt at those two position groups pretty regularly – and you better have capable depth so you don't lose your season. And money, it's I think it's the type of player that you're targeting in, in those mid to late rounds. Like you mentioned it to to Renner about Jamari Sawyer. I mean, that guy was seasoned in the SEC. Whereas yeah. you know Trey Pipkins, when they drafted Trey Pipkins, they knew he wasn't going to be ready for a few years. Like it, it's it's more so okay. Can, can we draft guys that we think can make an impact and actually start some games early in their career? Whereas, you know, Trey Pipkins and, and some other guys were, okay, th this guy's a project, may not be ready for a couple of years. I think the position that the Chargers are in, depending on how many picks they can get um, in, in the second, third, and later rounds, is maybe trying to identify some of those guys that can play meaningful snaps for you this year, right? As opposed to saying, okay, well, this guy will be ready in two or three years. I, I'm not sure that the Chargers want to invest in, in a ton of those types of players. Well, you're talking you're, – you're you basically just described the great draft conundrum, traits versus production. Yeah. What are we going to value? Are we going to value traits? Are we going to value production? Here's someone, Jamari Sawyer does not have the traits. He's got short arms. He's not that tall. He's not built like a tackle. He's not super athletic. But, okay, production. Played at Georgia. Started. Inside-outside flexibility. Kicked inside when Alabama was dominating on the interior. Kicked outside whenever anybody was dominating at the edge. Was productive, but there were very little trades. So that's, that's what happens when you get into the draft. That's, look, that's why Justin Herbert fell to the Chargers at six. 
had every trait you could possibly want. Size, athleticism, the brain, freaking hose. But he was in an offense that was not productive. Played in a Rose Bowl where he basically ran his tail off as opposed to threw the ball all over the place in order to get a win. So that's how you end up getting a guy like that at number six. And, and what did Tua have? Tua had the production. Didn't have the traits. Was injured. Busted up hip. Not as athletic, not tall, not doesn't have the biggest arm, but he had the production. Yeah. So that's that's, that's the draft in a nutshell. What do you want? You want the traits? You want the production? When you pair the two together, that's when you get a first rounder. That's when you get Dalton Kincaid. That's when you get Jalen Carter. That's when you get Will Anderson. That's traits plus production. That's what we're talking about. By the way, this is the time of year too where people will resurface old tweets about prospects and the amount of stuff that we we saw on Justin Herbert before the Chargers drafted him was insane just like this guy's got no chance and I, I wouldn't I would never want Justin Herbert on my team and th- that's just what this is all about man because no I was skeptical anything. of him I watched a ton of Pac-12 football I watched a lot of Justin Herbert and I was yeah. like man this guy, you know, there wasn't the production. You were projecting what just you had to, and God love Tom Telesco and his team and JoJo and everybody for doing that. Yeah. Because when, when he was at Oregon, it just wasn't there. The offense was super, super conservative. And it, it, he was, you could tell that he was coached to not turn the ball over. And he aimed a lot of his throws and he played very conservatively. So, I think, look, this is a time of year, and, and it's fine. I'm the one that ran my mouth. You know, my, my video comes up all the time on Sheck's podcast about Patrick Mahomes asking why, if you're the Chiefs and you just won the division, are you drafting a guy that's got no footwork, that's, that's everything is off-platform, everything is when the play is broken down. Well, you pair him with Andy Reid, and you let him sit for a year, and yeah, they have they had that vision that I did not. I was yeah. talking at, and that's the that when you have someone like Joel Klatt that made the type of declarative statement he did on Herbert, it, yeah, that's because he watched so much college football. He that's the funny thing is, the people that that have those takes and those positions are the ones that watch a hundred times more snaps than the people that are criticizing them for their opinion. They just watch too much. They watch too much football, developed an opinion based on what they saw and what their brain was telling them they saw, as opposed to having the vision of, okay, 6'6", 240, uh, Heisman, you know, academic Heisman, you know, giant arm. Yeah, I can see where this Herbert thing could go. Instead, it's, well, I watched all of his games at, at Oregon, and he's very soft-spoken, and you know, all of those things. Yeah. You have too much information. It's hard. It is, it is very hard. The one thing I will tell you I learned about you know, running my mouth on Mahomes is just don't do it. Just, just couch things <laughs> a little bit better. You know, just say, wow, you know what? kudos to the Chiefs. They certainly see things that you didn't see on the tape, and they feel like that raw talent, they're going to be able to, you know, to, to, to rein that in and make him as effective inside the pocket as he is outside. Because, look, the Mahomes sizzle reel was incredible from Texas yeah. Tech. It was ridiculous. But that's what the whole that's, – that's his entire college career. You know, he finished college – and it's like, name the Texas Tech quarterback that ever had an impact in the league. There wasn't one. No. It, it never happened. That offense – Graham Harrell. Like, 
Yeah, it was like, you can't draft someone from that. And that's why it's so stupid to say something like, well, you can't take C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Name an Ohio State quarterback that's, you know, been effective in the, the NFL. Well, yeah. Look at Texas Tech. It was, people would just swear that thing off like, no way. No way. That's a gimmick offense. and want nothing. That's the Quentin, um, Quentin Johnson thing. Is You watch that TCU tape, that guy's wide open all the time. He yeah. is wide, stinking open. When you pull up his touchdowns, if you go to the PFF and you pull up his touchdown reel. There's not a corner around him? There's nobody around him. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, well, I don't know. How do I interpret this? What am I doing? What, what, what am I, what am I going to do with him? Yeah. As, as people watch our podcast and all these draft uh, pods and, and articles, everyone knows that nobody knows anything. Right. And, and anybody can. Well, there's the, a lot of people that know a lot more than we do. That's for sure. Well, that, that's true. <laughs> and guess not. what? And, and, and money, even those guys will have terrible takes that, that will be brought up down the line. And, and you know, everybody misses in, in the draft. That's why it's so hard. That's why you, you look just, at drafts. And you're like, wow. It's so here? different. The NFL is a completely different sport than college football. That yeah. that's that's the thing. Now, look, I, I think the, you're never going to post them hitting it on the head that, that just doesn't happen it's freezing cold takes there's no you know flaming hot takes that people want to retweet a million times when you hear somebody get it right no they enjoy so they, they want to sell celebrate your failures that's why petros you know and i do the show that we do because people want to hear about what idiots we are and how much we fail at life and it makes them feel good and that's great and that's that's the draft you're going to miss more than you hit especially when you're in the fourth round and you're taking the 153rd player off the board, you know, and there's been 150 guys that have gone ahead of them. Yeah. You're probably going to have a tough time hitting a home run on that one. Yeah. It's playing quarterback in the NFL is considerably different than playing quarterback in college. So it's, it's not an, I general managers make a lot of money, make a lot of money for a reason because it is not an easy gig. Speaking of home runs, are you going to opening night tonight? You'll be out there? I will be. I will nice. be. I hate the sound of it. Should be opening day. I should not be here doing this right now. I should what be on the going, field what, getting ready for it. It's like the first time in like what 15 years that they've done this at night. Why? It's a huge it's a huge season for Major League Baseball. And I think they want that premier team in that prime time, West Coast prime time window. Yeah. Having the Dodgers play at noon as opposed to seven. deprives the the league from its West Coast crown jewel. And that's what I, it's all TV. So when you have, this is, this is going to go down as a seminal year in baseball. Things have changed, are going to change moving forward. They're going to talk about this year as the year that the game changed. Pitch clock is changing. You know, we're going to have games because we're the Dodger station where I do the radio show we had minor league games. We had a Clayton Kershaw minor league game that went two hours. That and it wasn't it wasn't a weird game. It was just Kershaw dominated. And you look up and you're like, holy crap, we're in the ninth inning and this game has been on for an hour and fifty eight minutes. Yeah. It was crazy. So buzzing by now. That's gonna change. You're gonna have more offense. You're gonna have a return to the athlete and more stolen bases. So to me, today's a huge day for Major League Baseball. They they really want to roll out and say we got something we got some sizzle here we got something going you're going to really like what we've done with this sport this year 
after years of being a punching bag and three and a half and four hour games where there's guys standing around picking their tails, taking four minutes to get through one at bat. So I think they're excited and they wanted the Dodgers. That's a very long way of answering your question. That's that's why we got opening night because they want that prime time West Coast. Hey, look what we're doing and watch watch what a Dodgers game looks like now. You're not going to bed at 1045 at the end of the ninth inning. You're going to bed at you're you're done at 930 and we're rolling out of here. Uh, I love this time of year because we, we you got the draft in the air. You got opening day baseball um, 28 days away from the 2023 NFL draft. And yeah. each week we'll, we'll get a guest on. We'll answer your questions. Um, it'll be very draft heavy in April money. This was great. Uh, appreciate Mike Renner joining us uh, for money. I'm Chris. This has been Chargers Weekly. We'll see you next week. All right, guys, as the official hospitality provider for the NFL, On Location offers unrivaled access to experience all premier NFL events like never before. On Location brings you up close for all the action, providing fans with unforgettable moments from draft day to Super Bowl Sunday and everything in between. On Location thrilled to announce its new partnership with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This August, kickoff football season in Canton, Ohio, and be there live to witness the class of 2023 enshrinement. The NFL is also headed back to London and Germany for the 2023 NFL International Games. On-location official packages will feature game tickets, deluxe hotel accommodations, private tours, pregame hospitality, end-to-end planning, and more. Be sure to secure your priority access today. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location.